thank you for listening to the 57th episode of Motorific. Sorry we missed you last week. Um, but we are back today, and I am Joanne. I'm here with my lovely co-host, Christy Farrell. And we didn't exactly miss last week. I mean, we had an interview, so... Yes. It wasn't completely dead air. Not completely, but episode-wise, we did skip a week. Correct. So for 57, we're going to bring you kind of an abbreviated show. We're just going to talk a little bit about... Um, New bike announcements from KTM, some IMS news or IMS uh, info from Long Beach since Christy went to Yamaha show. too. Oh, and Yamaha. Let's not forget the R1 and the R1M. Oh, yeah. So all the new bikes that were introduced over at, at Long Beach. And then um, Christy also went to some... Salt flat El Mirage for land speed racing. Land speed, not ice, not salt flat. Sorry, just land speed. Land speed racing in Southern California, right? Out in the desert. Mm-hmm. Out in the desert. Desert racing. A, a dry lake bed. Ah. And then uh, I'm going to give you my quick review of my heated grips, which I installed this week and I got to use yesterday on a very, very, very cold ride. And then I'm going to throw out my recommendation for. Pretty much the only 12-volt women's heated jacket liner. 12-volt meaning something you plug into the bike, not something that's powered by a battery in your pocket. Because there are many, many options for that, but there is only one specific option. As far as I have seen, I'm going to Google a little bit and see if anything else has come out in the past month or two, but pretty much there's only one. So that's what we're going to bring you for 57 so why don't we start off with some bike news and IMS updates and find out what went on in Long Beach. That was last weekend, right? Uh, correct. <clears throat> Sorry, since we've missed so many weekends talking about that, I'm almost uh, behind in the times. So as far as the IMS recap, I can't possibly cover all of the new bike releases, but I can tell you a couple that stood out in my mind uh, from the show. And the first two of which were the uh, final arrival of the KTM 390 Duke to the U.S. As you're aware, it's been outside of the U.S. for quite some time now, and we've been eagerly awaiting after we test rode the 690 for this uh, single-cylinder thumper from KTM, and especially trying to hit that crucial uh, price point so that KTM can kind of enter the entry-level market. I was happy to find out it's less than 5000 So as Joanne would argue with the touch of semantics, yeah, it's under 5000 being that it's $4,995, but it's still technically under five. You'll probably be out the door for about Barely. six. Yeah. Anyway, that bike, pretty excited about just, just to see what the initial uh, test ride reviews are once, um, once they do their press launch, which will probably not be until like January or February and most likely in Southern California just because of the weather. That was a notable standout, as well as the RC390, which is the sport bike. So we've gone from uh, street naked to sport. And the RC390 is also quite a gorgeous bike, and I believe it is 5995 so under 6000 And it's uh, competing with, of course, the slightly smaller counterparts of the Kawasaki Ninja 300, as well as the Honda... 
is it CBR 300R? Is mm-hmm. that the yep. correct nomenclature? Yep. And the cool thing about KTM is that when, when we had Media Day, which is the Thursday before IMS starts... Uh, Paul Carruthers, who is now the the media communications, I might be fudging his title a little, media communications director for Moto America, which is the new management for AMA Pro Road Racing in the United States, made an announcement that they are starting an RC390 Cup Series. And the Cup Series will be kind of like a, a feeder group trying to foster new talent between ages 14 and 22. So if you're younger than 14, you have something to look forward to. If you're past 22, you're going to have to jump in the in the big pond with the big boys. The series is kind of cool in such that it you buy in, you buy the motorcycle, and KTM, I don't know the exact fees, but KTM will basically continue to service the bike for you throughout the entire RC Cup series. So everyone has the same motorcycle. It's all stock. It's all maintained by whomever you know, is responsible for that, be it KTM or some outside contractor. And so it's kind of cool. And I think kind of outside of the lines of that announcement is the fact that in a relatively short amount of time with the announcement that a different company is taking over the management of AMA Pro Road Racing in the U.S. is the fact that you've got such a vested interest in the series before it even essentially has begun under new management. So that was one of the takeaways that I personally was looking at from KTM and this announcement of the Cup Series. And then uh, a couple other manufacturers, Yamaha announced uh, some revisions to a previous group that they have for racing called Blue Crew, which I had never heard of until they brought it up. And that is more along the racing side. It's not like, you know, BMW MOA or something that anyone who rides a BMW can, like, just jump in and join. I think it facilitates more of the racing community but it was just really interesting to hear a couple oems talk about racing on the pro and the semi-pro circuit it just makes me hopeful that perhaps uh, moto america has a really solid amount of momentum and then we can really you know go somewhere as far as road racing in america and of course great momentum can only be continued by the community at large who is going to see these races so if the Moto America schedule happens to come to a town near you and you have even the remotest inclination of seeing people race, then I highly recommend going out and supporting uh, the race community and checking it out. Give it a shot just once. If it's not really something that you're interested in, yeah, just go see it once. It's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. Um, it's definitely not GP rates where you're paying six and 700 bucks for mm-hmm. a for a suite for the weekend but uh just give it a shot drink a beer watch some good racing listen to some wonderful sounds coming from very loud motorcycles and uh, i'm sure i'll have a good time and and check out the next round so nice to support your local motorcycle riding community this is also true it's nice and, and then a- great people so another standout from the ims show would be Yamaha's two sport bikes. The R1, which is the YZF-R1, if you want to give the full title, is a completely new GP-inspired race bike. That one still employs the same cross-plane crankshaft technology, some updated features and tech, and opening is 16,500 thereabouts. What is even better than a revitalized R1 would be the R1M, which seriously, for the 22000 that that bike costs, 
is the closest thing on the market to an affordable MotoGP inspired motorcycle because the technology in this motorcycle is such that you can take a smartphone or a computer, plug it into the computer on the bike, and you can pull out telemetry statistics. For the price, certainly it's the most affordable. Nonetheless, definitely encourage you to take a look at our website and check out the specs on that motorcycle. And, of course, the HP2 from... uh, I'm sure I screwed that up. It's not the HP2. No. H2R. See? The HP2 is BMW's (laughs) name. Oh. Kills me. (laughs) Just give it a name. Don't give it letters and a number. It's Mm. the H2R. So H2R, Kawasaki Ninja, Superbike, HP2 is BMW's old version of their kind of sporty bike. They're all just ridiculously overpowered vehicles that none of us really could use. Me personally, no. But there are, I'm, you know, there are quite a few people I know who are more than capable of handling that motorcycle. Would I be lane splitting with it on the 5? Probably not. <laughs> no, it doesn't seem like they're very functional vehicles. Like, they're not really for gas mileage and commuting comfort and what you buy when you have a lot of money to spend on a bike and you know you've already ha- you already have a couple in the stable You're like what else do i need i need one of these i need an hp2 i need a you know i need a fancy motor gp bike h2r an h2r or whatever <laughs> sorry i it's it's toxic it's like i've yawned and now we're gonna have yawns throughout the entire podcast um the H2R is 300 horsepower. Again? That is the, that is the, the fanciest version. 300 horsepower. I don't even know how much my Toyota has, but it's definitely not 300 horsepower. Uh, no, plus. it's probably <laughs> not even half. It's probably like a hardly barely a half. I, our I think car... the horsepower of my Matrix is about the horsepower of my BMW. <laughs> that probably is a little closer. Ours is like 100 and our car is 130 horsepower. I think a Scion. It's like less than 150. It's just a little bit more than the Triumph, barely. I think it, maybe even a few horsepower less than the Triumph. I think I know that Triumph somewhere in the 120, 130 range. Still, 300 way more than I think us regular average people would need. But good for you if that's what you need and you can afford it. Awesome. I'm sure you are oh, very yeah. excited for that to be coming out. Um, yeah, my BMW, I think, is 70 horsepower. The Toyota Matrix is About. 126. Yeah. And the Kawasaki H2R is 300. That is rad. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> yeah. Things that won't go on Santa's Christmas list this year. The H2R. That's a little outside of my wheelhouse for experience at the moment. Probably will never get there. But hey... It's a gorgeous bike. I don't bike. think anybody ever gets there. That's my point. It's like Oh no, there are plenty of people, plenty of plenty of guys who race that get there. There are, but I'm saying the 300 who, horsepower is a track only bike. Right, but people who buy oh. these bikes, I don't think half of them ever reach that that level. I think a lot of people buy these bikes and they sure. don't. They're not, you know what I mean? They're not like that yeah, contingent well, to get people. They're like that we're talking can about be the said about affluent large contingent. Population. A large population of the sport bike community right. is buying a bike outside yes. of their element. Of right um, of the riding community in general is buying a bike mm-hmm. out of their element in general. But um, you know, I'd say something that 
most everybody could probably use and would want to use would be some heated accessories to stay warm <laughs> through the fall and winter. I think that's somebody everybody could absolutely say yes to. I actually absolutely. just found a fun website called thewarmingstore.com and it's all heated related clothing and accessories not just motorcycle but like heaters fans um ice cleats i don't know what those are uh cooling accessories ice um, cleats like ice riding i guess there's a whole category called ice cleats so when you're running and hiking in the ice you put them on your oh. shoes or oh, if you, okay. Yeah, yeah. Got right. that. I thought you were talking for the motorcycle. I was like... No, 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 no. The only motorcycle-specific things they carry are... Actually, wow. There's interesting... What an interesting uh, assortment of clothing here. They have 12-volt motorcycle-heated clothing, showy helmets, Revit motorcycle gear, Gerbing's 12-volt-heated clothing, and Tourmaster apparel. So it, it, it appears they're expanding their their heated uh, category, their motorcycle-heated category. Um, but... They apparently specialize in all kinds of heated things. Probably find, you know, a heated seat pad. Yeah, they have, you know, heated blankets. And then a couple of other, a bunch of other assortments. Ooh, heated seats for your car. Oh, I need those. Um, but apparently they carry Gerbing's Heated, Venture Heat Heated, another brand called Alpha Heat which I've never heard of. It's probably an outdoor thing. And Ansi Mobile Warming, which is a vest that I have. Um, so if you're looking for other heated things that aren't motorcycle specific, it looks like they have some fun stuff. But as I mentioned before, the only women's specific heated item, which coincidentally they don't have on their site. Hmm. Um, the brand, as you may know, it is, it's either First Gear or warm and safe. Basically, warm and safe licenses their heated clothing to first gear. So if you have a first gear heated women's jacket, if you look inside, there's two two patches. There's a heated, there's a first gear patch and a warm and safe patch. So it's nice because um, it's 12 volt. It's truly 12 volt. And what that means is um, typically heated jackets come in a 12 volt and a 7 volt and the 12 volt ones are the ones you want if you want as much power as physically possible in terms of surface area and heating power and you have to plug it into the bike you can't power it in your pocket you need the power of your bike battery and the 7 volt is the portable option where you have a battery in the pocket and then you can wear it you know hiking or walking your dog or skiing or something because it doesn't cover as much surface area and you don't get nearly as much heat as you do on the 12 volt so if you want the most power possible and the most heat as you can get that's where you want the 12 volt and um of course warm and safe slash first gear um they offer the only women's specific one and it does fit really great by the way it's a it's an awesome jacket um, I think they stopped making 70, 65 watt jacket liners and now they make a 90 watt liner. So it draws a little bit more power, but it doesn't seem like it's drawing that, that much more power. You'll want to look at your bike and see how much, um, amperage or how much power your bike can, can handle how many devices. But, um, if you Google, especially, if, well, if you're on Revzilla, you'll see there's 
uh, only 90 watt jackets available and, and 65s are, are pretty much discontinued. You might find them on closeout somewhere on a website, but uh, I highly recommend it. Um, oh, you can also find it on Warm and Safe's website, warmandsafe.com. They actually offer two women's specific um, heated jackets. They have the gener third generation, which is what I have, and they have a fourth generation jacket, which has like the flatter wire, kind of similar to the Gerbing micro wire, where it's like a fabric and you can't even feel it because mine, you can feel the wires. Um, but they, yeah, they, they make two. One company makes two women's specific um, heated jackets. And I think that's pretty awesome because it's really hard to, uh, hard to find those kind of choices for us, you know? Um, and they're easy to, it's really easy to install and set up. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Anybody can install it and use it. It's fantastic. And you can't go wrong. You cannot go wrong um, if you go heated. And um, I wore my, oh my gosh, I just saw something. They came out with a women's heated base layer. Oh, that sounds even better. So it's a seven volt base layer. Ooh. Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked here. Uh, <laughs> it's like a base layer shirt with a little battery. That, that actually, that looks awesome for something like running or hiking or something. So it's something you'd wear under your gear or under a jacket, like maybe at a game or something. That's actually, it's awesome. See, all these wonderful things. Thank you, Warm and Safe. I have to give them a big shout out for providing these options for us because they make, you know, they have this heated base layer. They have a heated pant liner, which I've seen on somebody recently who came into the store and they look so cool. They're just like stretchy. They just look like what you would think of as a yoga pant, like a if you think of a fitted or a running Nike running pan or something, they just look really comfortable. They're really soft. And she was wearing them under her chaps. But don't worry. I sold her a wonderful pair of Up on Stars uh, Andy's Ladies Dry Star pants. So they fit really well under her running pants. Um, but the fit was great. They're a little expensive. They're a couple hundred bucks. But she said they're amazing. So, again, shout out to Warm and Safe for providing many, many options for us ladies for the ladies who ride and I wore I basically wore my heated liner yesterday in probably the coldest temperatures I've ever ridden in um from what I can remember like the cold, last coldest ride I did it was like 40 or maybe 39 or something like that and and uh yesterday in the morning I think it was like 35 and then um when I left and then as we we traveled north uh, it got a little warmer. It got up to 45, 50. So it was balmier. <laughs> and then toward the evening, it actually got really warm. It was like 55. It's kind of nice. I didn't even really need the heat, but in the morning it was cold. So I had everything turned way up. Um, I didn't actually do it to hundred percent, but I got pretty, pretty high up there. As my friend likes to say, I turned it up to Africa. So it was hot. Africa hot? Yeah, Africa hot. And it was so hot. Like, I had a um, long sleeve cashmere sweater, a lightweight sweater underneath as my base layer. And uh, it was hot. Like, I could feel it uh, not burning, but just that intense heat. I had to turn it down a little bit. But it was great. At one point, I was sweating. It was awesome. So, the only way you can survive in 40 degree weather. And I had um, my heated grips also. So, I bought. 
uh, Oxford heaters, premium touring grips, and it's their latest uh, version of their heating grips. They're $90. Um, I believe they only draw a few volts or like a three or four volt um, grip. I can't remember what the actual voltage is. And um, they're awesome. There's five levels of heat. So you can go from like 20% all the way to 100. I did not use anything above 75 because it was hot. Like it, I only bought it, bumped it up to 50, pretty much left it at 50. And at the coldest temperature during the day, I bumped it up to 75, but I never went to 100. They just get really hot and I feel like they get hotter than the last ones I had um, by Oxford also, which uh, coincidentally are on closeout. So if you want a really good deal, you can find the originals for $49.95 on uh, Revzilla. And then the premiums are $89. So overall, I really love them. They're awesome. They're much better than my last pair. The grip is like smooth. You know, it's not all, it's, it doesn't have a weird texture like my old ones did. Um, they heat up fast and I feel like the temperature intensity is a lot higher this time around. Um, even at the lowest setting, they get really freaking hot. So they're, they just work really well. They worked all day long. I never noticed it, um, draining, you know, my headlights or I never noticed anything flickering. You know what I mean? Like it's not drawing that kind of power and even between that and the jacket, it was, my bike was taking both of them and working it really well. And yeah, it was just awesome. Just as, as warm as I could get, um, because my gloves are not heavy. They're not the fancy, um, you know, like the fancy racer gloves you have. They're not the, uh, Gore-Tex ones. The they're just, yeah, they're just the old multi-top. So they're lightly insulated. And so I don't even have winter gloves on these and you don't want to have a heavy, heavy glove. You want your palms to be lighter so you can feel the heat. And I, those gloves definitely did it, but just at the top and the fingers a little bit were a little chilly, but I was never like, oh, my hands are so cold. They're numb. Like never, it was never, ever that, that cold. And, um, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, I don't want my, I don't want the top of my hands to get cold, but it's just impossible because the pot, your palms are so hot. <laughs> like I can't, I can't imagine the tops getting colder or whatever, but, um, yeah, they just worked really, really well in about 35, 40 degrees with wind chill. So I don't know, that must bring it down to 25 or something like that. I, but they definitely worked and I, um, I will be posting my installation, uh, and review photos probably in the next day or two. So by the time you download this, you should see it on my blog, um, under reviews and accessories and, uh, yeah, check it out. Um, I installed everything myself, pretty much a piece of cake for the most part. Installing the grips themselves takes you maybe 40 minutes. I would say I could probably install it for somebody in a half hour. Um, barring any issues like I had with my bar and mirror, which is totally separate from the grips themselves. But um, assuming that the size is right and you, you know, and the diameter of your handle grip, your hand grip is the same and it's just an easy, you know, match, it should take you 30, maybe 40 minutes. Um, yeah, not, not much time at all. And then uh, now I just got to put them on the Triumph. And then I can ride that when it's 40 degrees outside. And that would be awesome. That's my bottom. I'm not riding. If it's below 40, I am not 
I just, I can't, it's, it was doable and I did it and it, it just wasn't, I don't know, it just wasn't fun. I mean, I, it's like I can ride in that weather if I want to and I can make it work, but it's not like, I'm not on a gold wing. I don't have any windscreen. It's just not, right? Like I'm not on a big GS with big fairing and, and you know, big wind blockers. So it's just not a com- good combination. I, I almost say that it's not what you don't have on your motorcycle. It's just that you now live in the East Coast <laughs> and people just don't ride when it's absolutely frigid. Like I'll never forget like the one video uh, right in the middle of that crazy snowstorm that you guys had last year. Oh, the that there was a guy with the like, I think it was a Ural and a sidecar just plowing down the freeway in like snow. And the news that. crew or whoever grabbed this this video and posted on social media was just following this guy forever and was just like, oh my god, this is so epic. This guy is the See, only guy out on the road because he probably had a big windscreen. I no, you know no. I I really I think he was just crazy. I think it's just crazy. It's no. not that you don't have that material on your bike. It's just it's I... going to get cold regardless of the windscreen. You're going to be cold. It it will be right. Yeah, no, I I agree. It'll be cold no matter what. But I I think it would have helped a lot if I had a windscreen up front because. I, I, there's an, I have a noticeable difference from my last bike, just missing that little fairing. It makes a huge difference for me now. And, um, I mean, I still don't want to ride when it's 25, but, and I don't plan to cause in the ice and I guess there was some black ice. I didn't even see it. My friend was like, did you see the black ice down the middle, down the double yellow? Like maybe. But I stay away from the double yellow, so I don't know. Maybe that's why I never noticed it, because I was never near it. I was never close enough to it um, for it to be an issue. And I was ne- And it was on the outside, so it was like on the double yellow line, and it was on kind of along the gutter um, on the right. But I'm never hugging that part of the lane, so not really. So maybe that's why I missed it. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Either way, it's just freaking it's frigid it's cold it's not as fun you know but i won't say no to some 40s if the you know if it's sunny and there's an opportunity to go riding i i'll try to take it up um let's just see if my legs can take it because that that's what's killing me more than the cold these days and my bum shoulder so i don't know i'm hoping by the end of winter by next spring I'll have some physical therapy done. My shoulder won't bother me as much. My groin won't bother me as much. And I'll be able to actually ride a little bit more than I have this year. I think this year is like the lowest amount of miles I've ever ridden since, I don't know, since I had that crappy Kawasaki like five years ago. I just haven't ridden very much. It's very sad. Onward to a sunny location. Yeah, <laughs> Back yeah, in the yeah. sunshine. Yeah, yeah. Started at Tell us about the 45 heat. this morning, and it was up to like 60 by the time I had gotten off the bike to work today, which by West Coast standards is cold for me. Oh, it's you know like, what? Today it was 65, 70 because of some weird rain thing, but tomorrow it's back to 40. Trust me, it's warm. It's good. Today was the riding opportunity. That window, the black hole opened up just long enough to get out on a motorcycle, and then it closed. Um, back... A week before IMS, so uh, can't even do the timetable at this point. Uh, easily two weekends back. Um, three weekends back, actually. We had 
land speed racing at El Mirage. So if you follow land speed racing very much, there are a few places where they actually hold the timing trials. So, I mean, you can, you can speed anywhere you want, but to actually have it go on record, you need to make sure that you line up with a, a special event. And, and Bonneville was rained out a couple of events at, uh, I think it was Mid-Ohio or Mid-America. One of those events was rained out as well. So it hasn't really been great for people chasing speed records this year in terms of inclement weather not cooperating with um, with the timing. Out at El Mirage, Southern California Timing Association held an event several weekends ago, and I went to go check that out with, uh, with my friend who is with Indian Motorcycle. So Indian was the only manufacturer to be represented that day, oddly enough, and they represented with a brand new scout. So a 2015 Indian scout that was completely stock, as well as a uh, 2014 Indian chief, which was the same one that I've spoke about on previous podcasts where we talked about the cannonball run, the the non-traditional one that we're aware of, which is the New York to Los Angeles pre-war motorcycles, but actually the original route that went from San Diego to New York and that was redone this year on its 100th anniversary. So that was that was that bike. And that bike was prepped a little bit, so not really engine mods so much as some exhaust mods and foot pegs and, and whatnot. So nothing, neither of the engines were modified. So their anticipation was hopeful that they would break 130, but they weren't entirely sure. And so you're talking about two motorcycles that are essentially cruisers where the foot pegs are, I think, are a little more forward on the scout and a little less forward on the on the chief. No windscreens, totally stock. El Mirage is a giant dry lake bed out in the middle of nowhere, which is about two hours outside of Los Angeles, at least from where I, where I live. Once you get out to this OHV park, you're just driving in a direction you hope is the correct one to get out to where everybody is because... If you've ever been on a salt flat or dry lake bed and it's big enough, it's hugely disorienting. So when I was driving out there, I, I followed a truck. A truck passed me going much faster than what I was driving and figured, you know what? He's confidently going in that direction. I'm going to follow that guy. And ended up finding where all the motorcycles were. And basically, it's a mixture of motorcycles and cars that go out for the SCTA trials. So you have everything from Roma Chabrung, which could be like a 50cc bike all the way up to much larger displacement bikes. Obviously, the 1800s or so cc's that the Indian was was probably one of the biggest. You have all kinds of different land speed cars from the two-wheeled variety that are bump-started, essentially, by a vehicle behind them, like literally a chase truck. And then you also have these old Ford trucks that have been completely torn apart, different engines put in, and those guys are chasing speed records. So basically, you, there's a speed record for everybody, whether it's the one that everyone's competing for or whether it's one that doesn't currently have a record. And not only that, but like fuels. I mean, you could go on for days probably with all the categories. Indian anticipated that they would maybe get to 130. And the first day that I was out there, Unfortunately, there were so many people out there on Saturday that they were only they only had time to make one pass. And that one pass was 129 for the 2014 Chief, which is 1800 plus or minus CCs. 
And then the Scout had 128 miles per hour. The Scout is 1130 cc's, more or less. The following day, the Chief was able to hit the 130 mile per hour window that they're aiming for. So the reason why I say I was kind of surprised that Indian was the only OEM out there was because what a great way to advertise how fast your H2R can go. Take it out to the dry lake bed. Dry lake beds are a lot easier on your motorcycle than an actual salt flat is because if you went out to Bonneville, you would need to instantly clean and take apart everything because the salt basically destroys the motorcycle. I thought... You know, that would make a really great launch or at least a really great kind of intro video as to coming out with a sport bike is to take it out on something like that and have that kind of buzz around the launch of a, of a brand new motorcycle. The people out at land speed races are just very cool, very chatty, will engage you in conversation. I mean, they were just so nice. And the community at large in the evening it gets even more rowdy and even more interesting. So if you've never checked out land speed racing and you're interested in a weekend voyage, if you live in Los Angeles, about two hours outside of town, highly recommend checking that out at least once in your life, especially if you want to go the lengths to check out Bonneville, which is on my bucket list of things to check out at some point. And of course, how can I forget the, the joy of not only being out there with Indian, but also meeting Brian Clock and Carly Cobb of uh, Clockworks. Brian and Carly were out there supporting Indian Motorcycle, as you know. Brian, as well as Carly and her sister and her mom, all have Bonneville race records. To have them out there to provide support to the guys from Indian was really quite cool, and Brian and Carly are very, very sweet. And I can't wait to, at some point, run into them again at, uh, at some event, which most likely will be Sturgis. But if you happen to be in the New York area for the motorcycle show coming up, it's like the weekend of the 14th, 13th, 14th. If you're out in New York area and you're going to check out the motorcycle show mid-December at uh, Javits, please stop by the Victory booth and say hi to Brian and Carly, who will be out there supporting Victory as well as that weekend supporting Indian. But I'll let you find out when uh, December rolls around why that will be. And also say hello to last week's interview, uh, Jackie Van Ham, who will be the spokesperson on the floor for Victory Motorcycle. Well, I think that is going to, unfortunately, cut us for 57. But we will work this week on bringing you a fabulous 58. As always, please visit us on facebook.com slash Podcast and on Instagram now as instagram.com slash motorificmedia. By the way, you can look at these pages without becoming members of Facebook or Instagram. The pages are public to anybody on the internet. You do not have to join Facebook to just check out the photos and the posts. You can totally go there, no problem. You don't have to log into anything to view it. So again, that's facebook.com slash podcast and instagram.com slash media. That is also completely open and free and clear. You do not have to become a member to see any of Christy's photos. Um, as always, send us an email to uh, motorific at gmail.com. I think I just totally blanked out there. Um, or through through the website. And uh, you can find us both on Twitter as ADV Goddess and Gear Chick. 
So in the meantime, we hope that um, if you're in a warm place, you get to go riding this week. And if you're in a freezing cold place, hopefully it warms up so you can go riding maybe this weekend. I don't know. I'm going to try next Sunday. Fingers crossed. Hope for some 40s, maybe high 40s. And maybe I will go out for a spin. So until then, we will talk to you next week. Have a lovely, lovely week. Bye-bye.